Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode 15 of Cloth Talk, the NFL edition episode. This is a huge episode. It's going to be a short one. I'm going to keep it around 30 minutes, um, but I'm going to break into some headline topics that have been going on. Um, this show is a little bit delayed as far as being made because of the recent deals that have took place the past couple of, you know, 48 hours. Um, so I've kind of delayed it off. Uh, so I want to see what, what what's going to happen between the next couple of days to see, you know, before I can, I can give you better content and, you know, more updated content. So we are here, episode 15. And right now I am looking at July 26th. I, I've, a lot of people, in, um, I've got a couple of comments saying, why do you keep telling the dates in the intro? Because I was told that, you know, hey, we want to know what the dates are um, that you're recording these because, you know, these things are a little bit outdated when, you know, they get out. And I, I understand it's hard. It's harder to, you know, stay up to date when you recorded something on this date. And then, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how to navigate to go back and, you know, kind of cut things out and then re you know add things and keep it up to date big shout out to sophie priest she's an amazing person she's actually my editor for each of these episodes and you know i don't want to put too much task on her as far as doing that um so huge thanks uh for everybody tuning in and you know giving me your input amazing content so far and you know some great opinionated content that everybody's been saying to me so thank you so much and you know go subscribe I saw yesterday, I got another subscriber. I love it. I'm now up to like, what, five or six subscribers. But each um, episode, we are getting 300 to 50 listeners. That's another thing I wanted to include because somebody asked me, how many listeners an episode are you getting? The first day that I drop it, we are getting 100 listeners. And then the next day, we're getting 150. And then the next day, you know, it's totaling out to 336 listeners, which I'm grateful for. Um, the fan base is continuing to build and more I do these episodes as far as listeners. And I'm so thankful for you all. Thank you for tuning in. And um, I got another episode for you guys. I don't want to talk your heads to death because I'm going to try to keep this right at 30 minutes or below. So let's get to some topics. Um, so part of my update topics was Saquon Barkley. Uh, he's officially signed at training camp. Signed on one year, 11 million deal that would go to 13 million including incentives that he would get. Um, it's a great deal for the Giants and him because he's getting paid. He's getting fully guaranteed $11 million. That can go up to $13 million. I think his whole contract is guaranteed as far as that this upcoming year. So you're getting some guaranteed money, and then it gives the Giants more time to plan out a contract for him long-term because they want to get this deal done. I do feel like they do want to get this deal done. So this gives you another year to figure it out while you're still paying him a good, respectable amount. Um, so a part of this topic I want to keep is uh, the Nick Chubb comment, along with our running backs being undervalued. And Nick Chubb uh, basically said running backs um, productivity, increasing productivity can be their biggest downfall when it comes to contract. Because if you're in a contract year and you get 2000 yards rushing, you can go the next year on your contract year and the, the owner can say, hey, you know, we gave you. 100 carries, you had a 2,000-yard rushing season, congratulations. But we believe that you might be worn out because running backs, they get they tend to get worn out because they're one of the most overused people on the team. So there's a huge concern for an owner that's trying to give a guy money that had 2,000-yard rushing season, 100 carries, and is looking for a big payday, right? So 
I do feel like I do agree with Nick Chubb because what Nick Chubb is saying is specifically that those 2,000-yard rushing seasons can ruin your contract talks because they're going to feel like you're worn out. I do agree with him on that. I don't agree with um, people that are saying that running backs are undervalued because of the history of running backs, you know, getting their contracts and then going ghost. You know, I'm talking about the DeMarco Murrays, if you want to go back to Cowboy days and like late Cowboy days. DeMarco Murray, when he got his contract in Philly, it actually Dallas ended up letting him go when he went to Philly, and he underperformed tremendously. You're talking about the Todd Gurley's, the Ezekiel Elliott's, you know. You talk, and then you also can throw in Dalvin Cook as far as injury prone, right? I mean, I know that's the, uh, a horrible thing to use when you're evaluating a running back, but they're the most overused people on the team. You look at it. I mean, a lot of offensive based off the run game, they, they rely so much on their running back to carry the ball. And then for us as fans and then owners, we look at, we become desensitized to a running back having a thousand yard rushing season because of the Derrick Henry's, because of the Adrian Peterson's, because of the Todd Gurley's, because of the Ezekiel Elliott's who've had 1600 to 2000 yard rushing seasons. We look at those and we say, that is a good running back, right? But a good running back before that was a guy that can give you anywhere from 1,200 yards in a season, right? And 1,000 yards still makes you a good running back. Well, us, we feel like, ah, 1,000-yard rushing season, that's pretty good. But Derrick Henry had 2,000 the other year ago. Zeke Elliott had 1,600, you know, one year. We look at those situations, and I feel like Derrick Henry and those those great running backs right, in their primes have ruined the value as far as how we look at running backs because of how great of a season that they've had and how continuously, consistently great they've been putting up numbers. So that now makes us now start to look at that as a new norm for a running back because every time that a running back puts up a 1,000 right on the dot or 1,100 or 1,200, we're going to say, well, Derrick Henry had this much. Zeke Elliott had that much. Christian McCaffrey had that much. You know, you can look back and you can keep going back and you say, well, these guys are the definition then of a great running back, right? Cool. I'm I'm with you on your argument that they're a great running back. But let's not become desensitized to a running back putting up a thousand yard refreshing season and us calling it good, right? Let's go back to calling that good because you look at Josh Allen, I think Josh Allen would love to have a running back that can put up consistently a thousand yard rushing season, right? But I understand that in Patrick Mahomes as well, because Pacheco, he did not have a thousand, if, if I'm pronouncing that right. He did not have a thousand yard rushing season. I think he had somewhere around 700 to 800 rushing season last year. So these guys would love to have these guys on their roster that can put up a thousand yard rushing season. And I, I would love that too if I was a quarterback. So let's not desensitize that. Let's not undervalue that. But I do think the cases for running backs um, being undervalued is necessary considering the history of contracts that were given out, big contracts and low productivity felt followed up after those. And I think it's hurting their case. And there's a reason why their market has gone down because they're the most gambling position on the team as far as pain. So let's get to the next topic. Patrick Mullins recently said that he feels like Kirk Cousins is the most underrated quarterback in the league so I'm, 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 before i get into what i feel 
if I agree with these or whatever. I want to go into my tiers that I have personally for quarterbacks, right? You got your bad quarterbacks like the Marcus Mariotas that has not that should not have a starting position. That really you question should even be in the league. You have your good quarterbacks like your Dak Prescotts, your Kirk Cousins, more quarterbacks out there. Give you one more. Ryan Tannehill, I can put him up there. Um, those are your good quarterbacks, right? Those are the quarterbacks that they're doing just enough work to keep them a starting position, get them a contract, but you don't expect them to take you really as far as a great quarterback, right? And that's my next tier, a great quarterback. Those are your Patrick Mahomes, your Aaron Rodgers, your Joe Burrows, your um, Josh Allens, you know, Josh Allen. I'll kind of put him fall more on the, the good quarterback list, inching close towards the great quarterback list. but. I can take him out of that one. So, I mean, you look at that, though. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, many others um, out there. But Justin Herbert is another guy that I would say is right with Josh Allen creeping to the great. But these guys are, if you look at their rosters, no matter what you put around them, they are still going to be good. Joe Burrow doesn't have an offensive line, literally. And he is still good. He's running around and he's running for his life to try to find receivers. Even though he got some great receivers in Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, then I can go on forever. Those are your great quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a number one receiver, but he has Kelsey. Doesn't have the best offensive line, but he's still good. Doesn't have a good defense. I mean, well, a great defense, but he's still good. And then who was last on that list? Aaron Rodgers. For years with the Packers, he's failed to have a first-round talent receiver. You know, I know he had Devontae Adams, but Devontae Adams, they hurt. Aaron Rodgers still performed. He's won a Super Bowl. We got to give him his respect. He's been to the NFC Championship multiple times. He's done great things. He is a guy that I put on my great quarterbacks list. So my three tiers, right, where do I put Kirk Cousins on that list, right? Because – these tiers are going to tell you pretty much who's the underrated one, right? So I got him half like creeping into the good and kind of bad, right? Because he doesn't have a winning record on primetime, right? Those are your late night games on Sunday night, um, Monday night, and Thursday night. Many people argue that Thursday night is not, but I believe Thursday night is a primetime game. Monday night and Sunday night are for sure primetime. Everybody's watching it. What I mean by primetime is, like I just said, everybody's watching that game. It's the feature game. It's by itself. It's, it's separated from all the other games, and everybody is watching you. Those are your primetime games. Those are your most viewed games of the season, right? When they do the breakdown viewers, primetime games, those Sunday nights and Monday nights games are the games where you have the most viewers. So, he has, I believe, a 10 and 13 record, right? Just decent, but he doesn't have a winning record as far as primetime games. And he has not made it to the championship, the divisional championship. He has not made it to a Super Bowl. He's known as the stat patter. He stat pads his stats to get a good contract, and that's all you're going to get out of him, right? That's what we've seen in Washington. That's what we've seen with the Vikings now. 
seen it throughout his career. So I do not believe that he is underrated, even though I understand where Patrick Mahomes is coming from. Because when I watch quarterbacks, I did feel a little, you know, sorrowness towards him. I felt a little sad because of the way that he's been scrutinized throughout his career. Because, you know, this guy, he does work. But I don't, I don't want to see, I don't want to spoil the, how I feel about this. So I'm going to probably end it there because I'm going to talk about this later. I'll kind of get more in detail about the three quarterbacks that were featured on the quarterbacks, which is on Netflix. Please make sure you go watch it. It is a great series. Um, but I'm going to get into a little bit of that more later. But I do not feel like he's underrated to answer that question specifically. All right. Let's get into the next topic. Dak's comments on the interceptions this year, right? Dak Prescott said he's not going to have 10 interceptions this year. He's going to have under 10. I believe Dak Prescott will have under 10 interceptions this year, and here's why. Because the offense is going in a different direction as far as where, how they're going to operate, right? They're going to run the ball more. That's Mark McCarthy's number one thing this year is running the ball more and keeping the defense off the field to give them rest. That is huge, right, for a quarterback, for a defense, for an offensive line. I think it's huge. So I do think that him taking the ball out of Dak's hands is going to also open up more things for Dak because we all know Dak is the best when he is running play action and using his feet. And I think that's something that McCarthy is kind of looking at and is want to get back to is running the ball more, play action, and, you know, trying to design plays for Dak to use his feet. I hope he's trying to design plays for Dak to use his feet because I think that's one of Dak's greatest gifts that is so amazing when he does it that he doesn't doesn't do enough. We saw in his rookie season that he was amazing when he was running out of that play action. He was able to use his feet. And we saw that in his third season a little bit. You know, I know he was injured one of those seasons, so either second or third. Um, but we saw that again, so before the injury. Um, so I do think that he's going to have around eight, maybe eight interceptions this year, um, which is right under 10. And it's a decent number for a quarterback to have a good number, actually, not a decent, a good number. So I do think he will have under 10 interceptions. And let's get into the next topic. My take on free agents, Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, and Leonard Fournette. So I'm going to break these three down separately. So I'm going to get into first Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is a guy that deserves to be on a roster. He's talented. He's gifted. But the biggest thing is he's injury prone. And then also, I believe that there's been rumors that he's asking for a substantial amount of money um, from a team. And I don't know what that number is. Nobody's speaking about it. But I think he wants a substantial respectful number. Well, you're injury prone. Um. Last year, you were you were, I mean you've kind of had a drop off last year from what we've seen normally seen from Dalvin Cook, and a lot of that is because of the number I mean the number of games that he's played. But I do feel like teams are going to be more scared to pay a running back, especially a running back that is entering out of his prime. So I do think that there's going to be some arguments there and trying to get a contract. So I do think that Dalvin Cook though deserves to be on a roster. Um, I would love to see him with the Bills, which I've heard lots about yesterday, um, him possibly going to the Bills. I would love to see him on the Chiefs. I know they got Pacheco, if I'm saying that right. Um, I know they got him, but Dalvin Cook would be an immediate upgrade. I would love to see him on, I've said before, the Dallas Cowboys. That would be a great one. 
um, as a backup to Tony Pollard. And I would love to see him potentially on, I would love to see him on, um, what's one more team that I can throw out there? I would love to see him on. Um, I'm going to go with the Chargers because Eckler, there's no telling what's going on with that situation with Eckler. And I don't think you want to throw money into Eckler because I do not feel, I do not trust Eckler enough to give him a long-term deal where he will be the future running back. I, I would love for them to explore that situation and bring in Dalvin Cook to help out Justin Herbert. And then also you got Kellen Moore who can open up doors for him to be in the passing game as well. Because Kellen Moore is one of the best offensive passing coaches in the league. Um, if you look at Dak's production when he had Amari Cooper to Dak, even Dak last year, he had a good type year as far as throwing the ball and opening up receivers down the field. I think uh, Kellen Moore has had great things in there. So I do believe that those teams would be great for him. Um, so Dalvin Cook, yes, needs to be signed. Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke Elliott is on the back end of his career where it's not, we don't know what is going to happen with Zeke, right? We don't, there's a huge question mark over it if he can still produce at a high level or at least half a high level, right? We all know he can't produce at a high level, at least from what we've seen with the Dallas Cowboys for the past three to four years. We've seen that. But he is still a good running back. He's still a guy that you can give the ball to. And you, he could probably go out there and get you 60, 60 yards to 70 yards a game. And you can also use now unlock Zeke Elliott and see if he has those abilities to be a great receiving back, right? You can use him out of those screen passes. You can use him across the field to attack linebackers, weak linebackers at that. You can still use and unlock little abilities out of him to get the most out of him, right? I do think I will put Zeke Elliott on my check. Yes, he needs to be signed. Um, the money that I would give him is anywhere from one to five million. I would probably be dead center at that two and a half to three million that I would give him. That's it. Because I got to see something out of you, right? To give you more money. So I do think that's a respectable number for the production. And I do think that, you know, he, I don't, I don't know if he would get signed. I think it's going to take mid season when a running back goes down or toward the end of the season, but I think he will get signed at some point this year. Actually, go back to also to Dalvin Cook. I do believe Dalvin Cook will be signed for mid-year. So somewhere, I think the early starts of the year to mid-year is when he's going to get signed. Particularly mid-year to end-year is when I think he'll get signed. But I do think he'll get signed. What are some teams that could use Ezekiel Elliott on their roster? Philadelphia Eagles is a team that I think you can use. And they lost Miles Sanders. They're trying to figure out what the running back situation I think that Ezekiel Elliott can come in and play a second or, you know, a feature back, you know, that'd be great for Jalen Hurts. You can figure out a way to unlock his passing and his receiving ability as a running back. Um, another team that I will think that could use him is, I'm not, I'm not the wild one out there, this one is uh, Carolina Panthers. I think the Carolina Panthers could use Ezekiel Elliott because Carolina, Miles Sanders, I know they got Miles Sanders, great running back. He's going to be the feature back. Bringing in a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, can you kind of play that role that he had with the Cowboys where you can bring him in on those short games and let him, you know, grind those yards out and get you the first down or the touchdown. And it gives also uh, Bryce Young another weapon that he can use and try to unlock out of the receiving end. So I think that would be a good move for him.
Another team that could use a Ziggy Elliott service. I'm trying to stick with these like up and coming teams. Um, Detroit Lions would love to see Matt. Um, I would love to see, excuse me, Jared Goff. Almost said Matt Stafford. Um, Jared Goff have Ezekiel Elliott to his disposal. It would be great for him um, to use him and unlock him, like you said, out of the receiving abilities, and then see what he still has on the rushing end. So those are some good teams for him. Uh, lastly, Leonard Fournette. <sighs> so Leonard Fournette, I do think I am going to put him on the side, right, because Leonard Fournette has won a championship. Leonard Fournette has stepped up in the playoffs and actually become the reason why the Bucks, you know, advance through some games. So, and then he's a good blocker, just like Ezekiel Elliott. Good blocker. I didn't mention that earlier, but great blocker. Um, I think he needs to go to a championship roster, right? Those are the Chiefs, the Bengals, the um, the Bills. He needs to go to a championship situation where they need a running back that can step up throughout the playoffs and take the pressure off the quarterback to do stuff. And I think Leonard Fournette will be a great option for those teams because he's a guy, you know, he's not going to give you that productivity that you're looking for out of a running back throughout the season, but he's a guy that when it comes playoff time, that man is ready to go. He is going to line up and he's going to be ready to run the ball, you know, catch out of the receiving or block, whatever you need him to do. He's going to do it at the highest level that he can. So I, I do think Leonard Fournette, you know, deserves to be signed. So all three of these running backs that are free agents, right, by the way, deserve to be signed. Um, can Josh Allen get it done this year? That is the next topic. I think Josh Allen, I think he can get it done, but it's going to take the Bills getting him some help. And I'm talking about help on, like I said, the rushing end. They need to go out and get Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook needs to be their number one target this offseason to help Josh Allen because Josh Allen is throwing the ball way too much. He is being relied on way too much. And you've got to take some of that off him because Josh Allen has shown that, you know, he might not be the guy that you can trust throughout the playoffs to get you to the championship solely as him being the number one option to be able to hit Stefan Diggs and move the ball and get in the end zone. You got to give him some help in terms of rushing ability. Give him a good, respectable running back that can rush the ball and take the pressure off of him. So I think I do think Dalvin Cook can get it done. I mean, uh, I do think that Dalvin Cook could be the, the guy for him. Um, I do think Josh Allen can get it done this year. So I'm going with Josh Allen on that. He is going to, he can get it done this year if they get a good running back for him. And I'm talking about specifically Dalvin Cook. Will Rogers live up to the expectations? I do believe Aaron Rodgers will live up to the expectations. And what I'm saying for expectations, I'm not saying a Super Bowl, right? Everybody is pointing out Super Bowl for the, the Jets. I'm sorry to bust your bubble Jet fans, but you are not winning the Super Bowl this year. You're not beating Patrick Mahomes. You're not beating Joe Burrow. And I'm, I'm skeptical to think that you can beat Josh Allen. The The expectation that is laid out is that you need to make the playoffs, right? I can't remember the last time you made the playoffs. So you you need to make the playoffs. And I think bringing in Aaron Rodgers, you have now put yourself in a solidified role where you're going to get a playoff berth considering that the defense comes back and they play the way that they played last year. 
and the offense comes back and they now get an upgrade at quarterback position where he he's now has Lazard to his disposal, Garrett Wilson. He has some targets out there for him to his disposal where he can push them to a playoff spot. Now, I do think that they will get to the first, second, maybe even get to the, the AFC Championship, but I do not think they're going to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I just think that there's too much great of a talent out there that I think Joe Burrow can beat him. I think Patrick Mahomes for sure can beat them. And I think Josh Allen, considering how well the defense plays that game and what he gets on the productivity of the run game, can do that. And we can make a fair argument for the Jets as well, right? What is that offensive line going to look like? What is those receivers? Is Rodgers going to be able to connect with those receivers in time to help them, you know, throughout the playoffs? What is the defense going to look like? This is their first time ever being in the playoffs for most of them. So what are they going to look like? So, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can throw in that scenario to match up with what I just said about Josh Allen. So I do think that he will live up to the expectation. My expectation for him is making the playoffs. That's it. Um, Was it smart for DeAndre Hopkins to go to the Titans? Money-wise, it was smart for him to go to the Titans. He got a two-year, I believe, $26 million, you know, but the team – I don't agree with it as much because the Titans, they, many people know the Titans are now, they're kind of on the declining end, right? They don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Derrick Henry, there's a huge question mark lingering on what they're going to do with him. But it looks like they're bringing him in. They're bringing him back. Um, if Derrick Henry can put together another, you know, rushing season like he did, you know, a year or two ago, where he had 2,000 yards or something like that, I do think that this team can go to the playoffs, and I do think that it can win the first, second, maybe even get back to the AFC Championship. Um, and then from there, I got to kind of see where it plays out from there. I, I do think that they could get to a Super Bowl, depending on how their defense plays, and bringing in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins is going to help a lot. It's going to open up things more for Derrick Henry, kind of like when um, – uh, I forgot his name. What's his name? Um, Julio Jones, excuse me. Please not crucify me for when I remember it. Julio Jones was there. He kind of opens up things more for Derrick Henry. Creates, and then also A.J. Brown as well. Can't forget about him. The GOAT for Titans fans. A.J. Brown. So bringing him back, it's going to open things up a little bit more. It's not going to load the box. It's going to create more opportunities for Derrick Henry. So I do think they're going to make a little noise, but I don't think it was the best situation. Anybody who's watched my, my other episodes, they know that the Chiefs are the team that I feel like is the best situation for him, given that they have the best quarterback in the league. Um, what will Lamar and Odell look like this year? I think Lamar and Odell are gonna they're gonna be a good combo this year. The biggest thing is Lamar being able to unlock that connection with Odell that he had with the Giants um, at the beginning of his season with Eli Manning. Now, what I'm saying about that is being able to know where his hot spots are, where he wants the ball. Ball placement is everything for a receiver and a quarterback. Knowing ball placement, knowing timing, getting that connection down, that's going to be the huge thing. That's going to be the biggest hurdle for them because Lamar Jackson never played with an Odell Beckham Jr., right? He now has a number one receiver. Even though many will say he's not, I believe that he still is a number one receiver because of what I've seen from him the last time he played it. Now I'm talking about the Super Bowl. So I do think that there, it's going to be a good duo, not a great duo, um, not a Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes type thing. 
at once upon a time and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, I think. I don't believe it's going to be like something like that, but I think it's going to be good, and I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. <clears throat> Let's jump to the next topic. Who is the best duo in the AFC since we're talking about Odell Beckham Jr. and Lamar Jackson? Who is the best duo, right, in the AFC? I'm going to go with my best duo in the AFC. I'm going to get – because I want to choose between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase because I love their connection and they're just their productivity and what they see. And I want to go with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs because that duo right there is ridiculous, especially if you're a fantasy owner of these two players. That is ridiculous. Um, So I'm going to go with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs because I just love that duo. Those two right there, they're like a match made in heaven, um, even though Stephon Diggs is almost on his way out, wanting to leave there. But that's a match made in heaven duo. So I'm going to go with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. That's my best duo in AFC. I like that one. Um, and to end the episode the right way, I'm going to give you my official take on quarterbacks. Just a heads up, this is probably going to be a 35-minute episode. I know I said 30. But um, just to get my takes um, on this quarterback uh, episode that was on Netflix, it was a series. So I'm going to go each quarterback, how I feel like their breakdown. Marcus Mariota, horrible, horrible representation of who you are as a quarterback and what you want to be presented as. And what I'm talking about is um, when you look at his scenes throughout the whole entire Netflix series, the guy talked too much about his life and not enough about the game, right? This is the this is the the series is centered around quarterbacks, right? Your vision for the game, what you go through on the day to day, and then also your family life, right? I didn't see enough to make me say, "Oh, okay, Marcus Mariota, okay, I, you know, you, your preparation is this, your preparation is that." He didn't talk too much about you know the way his vision for the game and what he does on day to days with his game. It was too much about his family, and I felt like I was watching more of a reality TV show than I was a series about quarterbacks. So horrible representation, especially when you know he disappeared from the team after learning that he was going to be benched, and then talking about something like he was going to get a, he was getting surgery done on his knee, and then the coach doms him out and says, "I never learned anything about this when we had our talk about you know him being benched." So that makes it look horrible for him. And then they showed a scene after that where he was walking on the beach perfectly fine, you know, during the whole time that everything was going through and transpiring with him disappearing from the team. And that's not, you know, well, these Falcon fans not knowing where he was at and what was going on in that situation. So horrible representation. Kirk Cousins. I got a little bit more respect for him out of this series. Um, just seeing what he goes through on the day-to-day, seeing the way that he approaches the game and the respect that people have around him, I think that made me kind of respect him a little bit more and, you know, kind of soft enough before Kirk Cousins. Uh, Kirk Cousins, like I've always said, he's not he's not trash, right? There's a quarterback in this league that we can say is trash, but he is not trash. He is a good quarterback. Um, and... I do think that uh, Kirk Cousins 
there's a little bit of things that I critiqued a little bit. Um, one was him taking every Tuesdays off to spend time with his family. Like I understand before I get crucified from the wives and the, the family advocators out there. Um, I understand. Right. But when you sign up to play football and you're playing on the professional level and you're getting paid the type of money that he's getting paid, you need to be there Monday through Friday working on your game. You should not be taking a day off, especially if you're a quarterback that is not proven enough and you're trying to prove something like win a Super Bowl or get to an NFC championship. You need to be on the field from Monday to Friday. And if you want to take Saturdays and have the family nights, great. But Monday through Friday, you need to be watching film, practicing, doing everything that you can to prepare for that Sunday game, right? Saturdays should be that day. Monday through Friday, you should not be sitting at home. You should not be riding in your van to marketplaces and doing, you should be Monday through Friday. You should be on the field, studying film, doing something football. That's just it. That's just it to it. I know Tony Romo used to take Wednesdays off, and I hated it when he did it. I always crucified him for that. But you should not be Monday through Friday. You should not even be thinking about anything other than football and preparing for Sunday. And then Saturday, you know, you can spend that little time with the family before you fly out to your game. But you need to be make sure your butt is on that plane flying out Sunday, thinking about that game from what you learned Monday through Friday. That's it. Unless you're Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, what you've accomplished, you've gained that respect, you've gained that notary that you deserve a day off, right? You're just that good where on Sunday, even if you have a Monday or Tuesday off, you're still going to be there. You're still going to win. You're still going to show out. You're still going to be great. You you haven't earned that yet. You need to be in that film room on the field Monday through Friday. That's it. Now, that wasn't the one thing that really threw me off with him. Another thing that threw me off with him was, oh, all right, so I'm going to get critiqued about this. I've played through pain before. Pain, when you're playing through pain, it sucks, right? But it's about how you respond through your going through those pains, right? And when I saw that, you know, there was a situation where he hurt his ribs. I understand. You know, I've never been in that situation where I got hit from a 300-pound dude or a 400-pound dude or however big those defensive linemen are. I've never had that situation. I've never had a situation where I've hurt my ribs bad enough where they were broken or anything like that. But I do feel like pain tolerance needs to come into existence. In this episode, there were too many times where I saw him hurting and then he wasn't communicating after making a dumb decision like throwing an interception. He would go on. There was one specific scene where he got cracked, I think, by the Bills or, yeah, I think it was the Bills. It was they went to overtime and he got cracked. He went to the sideline and he, he, they were trying to talk to him about the play and what was going on. Oh, I think I'm thinking about the wrong, wrong um, scene, but there was one scene where he got cracked and he was going to the sideline and the player walked up to him and he was kind of talking because he threw an interception. He was supposed to sit on the route, but he didn't sit on the route. He kept going and he, he was trying to talk to him about the miscommunication and Kirk Cousins said something along the lines that, I don't know. I thought you were going to sit. But, you know, he just sat down and, no, 
you t- receiver, you come over here, you sit on the bench with me. You need to make sure you're sitting on this route. When I drop back and we're we're on a short and long, you're supposed to run up and you're supposed to sit right there on the route because they're playing zone. They're clearly playing zone because they're not even they're they're all spreading out around him rather than one person being on him. So they're 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 playing zone. So you need to sit on that route so I can hit you for that first down. That's how you need to be. You should not be running doing slants. You should not be running curl routes. You should not be running straight routes. You should not be running post routes. You need to sit your behind right there so I can throw the ball and pick up this first down. Now, next play, you want to do that? We can do that. But this play, third and three or third and five, whatever it was, you need to be sitting on the route so I can hit you for the first down. He didn't do that. He was too busy trying to sit down because he was hurt. Now, I understand. I don't, I never deal with that pain. I've never taken those shots. But in that situation, I felt like there was better ways that it could have been handled, and it, it wasn't. So I, I wasn't too fond of that. But for the most part, huge respect for Kirk Cousins. Now let me get to the last one. Patrick freaking Mahomes. He is the GOAT. I love Patrick Mahomes throughout this whole series. I love his cocky attitude. I love his... I don't care how much I'm losing by. I'm still going to be talking. I'm still going to, you know, believe that my team can come back. And, you know, my best scene that I love from Patrick Mahomes, this is what I call my signature moment from Patrick Mahomes, is when he was at the Super Bowl, you know, the, when they do the press conference and all that stuff. He, he went over to talk to Jalen Hurts. They were having a conversation. And he said something along the lines to Jalen Hurts. He said, yeah, man, I, I booked these uh, Airbnbs three months ago. Patrick Mahomes, stop it. Stop it, Patrick Mahomes. We know you're going to the Super Bowl, but don't make it obvious that you knew you were going to the Super Bowl. Stop it. At least be human for once. Be human. There's no way you should be telling a man that you're about to play at the press conference that you booked these Airbnbs three months ago. That is just that is just disrespectful and that is just wrong. But I love it. I love it. I love Patrick Mahomes for that. That right there is the next level of cockiness right there. Now, you can take it, you can say it's different contexts out of that that he was probably saying. But I see it as, I knew I was going to the Super Bowl, man. I was just trying to make sure I got me a seat before everybody else got here and took all the seats. You know, took all the, the places. That's what I saw it at. But throughout the whole entire series, I just love Patrick Mahomes' energy. Each game, you know, I love how he said, you know, every time that I get hit by, you know, a defensive end, I always kind of tell him, hey, good good shot, dog, good shot. So they would take it easy on him next time. I love that. That's probably what I would do if I was Patrick Mahomes or a quarterback. I'd be like, yeah, good shot, man, good shot. You pat him on the butt. But amazing. It just adds to his greatness, and it makes you appreciate him. If you're not even a Patrick Mahomes or a Chiefs fan, it just makes you from the outside because – I'm a huge Dak supporter. I'm a huge Cowboys fan. But seeing that, you know, I've always gained this level of respect and love for Patrick Mahomes and his game and, you know, the way he prepares. Like you saw throughout this series, some of the workouts that he went through is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, some of the workouts that he went through. Patrick Mahomes, you have to put in this type of work to be the GOAT, right? That's what he's aiming for, to be the GOAT. Once he gets to Tom Brady's age, to those 40s, to those 45s, 
he wants to play till he's 45. You've heard it throughout the series. He said he studied Tom Brady, the type of stuff that he puts in his body, what he goes through in the offseason, so he can have those long seasons like he has where he plays to his 40s, to his 45s. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love his trainer also trying to convince us that Patrick Mahomes is literally built different, even though he's human and he's just like us, you know, in, but his talents just makes him separate immediately from us. He is still human. We are still claiming Patrick Mahomes as a human being. You can claim him whatever you want in your perfect world, but at the end of the day, he is still human. If I went and cut Patrick Mahomes, he's going to bleed. The same blood that I bleed. So don't try to tell me or convince me that Patrick Mahomes is different at all from any human species because he is not. Um, but I love the series. Amazing series. They definitely need to do a uh, quarterbacks too. I've heard this in the works. Who would I love to see on quarterbacks too? I would love to see Dak Prescott. Huge supporter of Dak. Would love to see what his work ethics like, how he goes through a season day to day. Um, another guy that I would love to see, Joe Burrow. That was his um, Patrick Mahomes' archer rival. Many people say Arrowhead is Burrowhead. And if you listen to the mayor of the you know Cincinnati, he says, "Yo, <laughs> Joe Burrow is pretty much Patrick Mahomes' daddy." Now, I don't agree with that. I don't think the mayor should be saying that, but. He has won, you know, three out of one games and one of those, or it was a playoff game, and he's outperformed Patrick. Not saying he's better than Patrick, because I think Patrick Mahomes is better, right? Patrick Mahomes has two Super Bowls. Put some respect on his name. He is not better than Patrick Mahomes, but <laughs> got to see a little bit more winning from Patrick Mahomes against him. But I would love to see Joe Burrow in retaliation of what we saw from Patrick Mahomes' view and what his view was of the whole situation going on with Kansas City at the time and even this season. So I would love to see that. Another guy I would love to see on quarterbacks is I would love to see Aaron Rodgers. Uh, That's one where everybody's like, I don't think I want to see Aaron Rodgers. We've seen too much of Aaron Rodgers. I would love to see the way Aaron Rodgers prepare, where he views the game, what he goes through on the day-to-day, especially with the Jets now um, on a new team in New York where there's a lot of publicity, where you're, you are going to be the public eye every single day, every single week. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers, how he adjusts to that, how he views it, you know, how he, you know, maneuvers a way around it and still focus on that team because it's hard to focus on what you're doing when you're in a city as big as New York. So I would say New York, California, Philly, you know, those are my three cities where you will get crucified week to week. There'll be one week where you'll be the hero and be like, yes, that's our guy. And there's the next week where they're like, trade him, trade him if you play bad. So I would love to see how he does around that. So those are my three that I would love to see on quarterbacks too. All right. So we are officially wrapping up episode 15. I hit 15 minutes over. I wasn't expecting to do this, but you guys got more content out of this. So um, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate every one of my listeners. And I will see you next week for episode 16, where I will get back to some NBA topics. I might do an NBA edition just to be fair. Um, But we'll see what happens. See you next week. Have a great night.